Hello, this is Ben Thompson, doctor of audiology and tinnitus specialist. Thank you for listening to my podcast. This audio is a recording from my YouTube channel, Ben Thompson AUD. I hope you find the information you need and I hope you enjoy the episode. Everyone, my name is Dr. Ben Thompson, audiologist, and I want to first say that I'm happy to share this presentation. This is something that our team at Treble Health, which is the group of audiologists that I work with, we do telehealth, tinnitus work, and our team has been working for the last few months on creating a detailed series of modules for tinnitus counseling, tinnitus therapy, and the tenants, the fundamentals, what we see as the most important aspects to understand for getting better with tinnitus. And yes, we all want to continue research for a cure. We all want to continue medical treatments for tinnitus. Simultaneously, we want to provide management techniques, tools, technologies, sound therapies, cognitive skills, cognitive tools that can help habituate and help the brain defocus from the sound, which oftentimes can bring someone to the point where tinnitus is not a problem anymore, although it's there. And it may be softer or maybe the same volume. That's the simultaneous goal, research, science for treatments and cures during the same time, working with the right kind of medical professionals for management and tools that can help you day to day, week to week moving forward. So this presentation will talk about the following modules that we've been creating. Number one, is the foundations of habituation, understanding the science and how the ears, the brain, and the habituation itself take place. Number two is sound therapy. Number three is sleep. Number four is cognitive behavioral techniques, or CBT. Number five is the holistic wellness part of this that can help the brain habituate. And then there are some other factors which I will go into. So this will be about 15 minutes more, and I'm going to start with the foundations of habituation. Think about your breathing and how when I'm asking you to put your attention on the sound of your breath, that you can do it. So breathe in, breathe out. Even your normal breathing in and out, it has a sound, right? And when I ask you to listen for it, you can hear it. But when you're living your daily life and you have thoughts and you have activities and you have things that are happening, your brain's not thinking about that sound. So that's an extreme example of habituation because the signal, the, the stimulus, the physical sound is there. It's going through the brain, but the brain can reduce the perception of it. So if you don't hear the sound of your breathing for six continuous hours, that shows us that the brain can have a similar effect for tinnitus. And this is challenging to explain at the beginning, but over time for most patients, this is the trajectory that we go through. So that's an example of habituation. How does it work with tinnitus? It works with breathing because the brain can recognize that the sound of breathing is a neutral phenomenon. It's neither good or bad. It's something that's happening all the time. We're not scared of it. It does not have any negative association. So the brain's limbic system, which controls the fight or flight, the ability to recognize which stimulus is threatening and which stimulus is neutral or not important, that allows the brain to filter certain stimulus. If you work with the right team for tinnitus management, wherever you are, 
one week, one month, one year, five years into your managing your tinnitus, the professionals are focused on habituation because that is the best treatment in 2022. Now, moving on, the second piece here is sound therapy. I've been surprised at how effective sound therapy can be to help aid the habituation process. The gold standard, the best form of sound therapy, we're talking about a few things, the technology and then the actual sound. So the technology means what device or instrument or speaker or hearing aid is the sound coming from, that's the technology. The sound itself, meaning is it white noise, pink noise, water sounds, crickets, that's the the sound therapy. So together, when you use those consistently during your habituation period, it helps facilitate habituation. The main point that I like to stress when we're working with patients via telehealth is that the technology is not the most important part of the sound therapy. The most important part is the duration of use and having sound enrichment in your everyday life. So a lot of this science comes from tinnitus retraining therapy, which has been used over decades to help patients with tinnitus, help individuals with tinnitus get better. A common misconception is that, oh, if I start using sound therapy, I'm going to have to use it forever. Another misconception is if I start using sound therapy, then it's going to be hard to stop using it because I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be relying on it. Well, what we see is it's one of the major tools that helps a majority of people. So that's all that professionals like me are trying to communicate to the tinnitus community is that there are certain tools and techniques that help a majority of people who try them. It helps them improve their tinnitus, their quality of life, and oftentimes the volume can shift too. So sound therapy being one of them, if we start at the most basic sound therapy, it's a $50 speaker that has white noise, pink noise, and natural water sounds programmed in it. Sound Oasis is an example of a manufacturer. I have no relationship with them. However, there's there's an example of a manufacturer that uh, produces the speakers that can be used for tinnitus. There's also bone conduction headphones. There's also tinnitus maskers. There's also hearing aids that are programmed for tinnitus. The gold standard for sound therapy in 2022 are modern hearing devices that are programmed for tinnitus by a tinnitus specialist audiologist. You can find those. There's different options. There's different price ranges. I'm not here to talk too much about the specifics of that, although there's a lot of details that one can explore later. The main reason someone would use ear level devices like hearing aids or tinnitus maskers instead of just having a speaker in their room all the time is the practicality and the sustainability and the functional improvement of, I have the sound staying with me on my ears. That means even if I'm around other people, even if I'm changing rooms, even if I'm moving around, no one else needs to know or adjust their life. It's really staying with me on my ears. That's the major benefit. That's why people end up using ear level sound therapy. The next topic here, and again, this is coming from the modules that our team at Treble Health focuses on when we're working with patients one-on-one on an ongoing manner. The third module, also very important, is sleep. We know this. It's obvious if I'm not sleeping well, it's hard for me to feel healthy. It's hard for my body to heal and to restore and regenerate and rejuvenate. Well, tinnitus and promoting habituation relies on a healthy mind, a healthy body and healthy sleeping patterns. If any of those systems are out of balance, it will be harder to habituate all things equal. So a few things for sleep. There's take an audit of yourself. What are you doing for the hour before you try to fall asleep? Okay. Are you 
exciting your brain? Are you watching TV? Are you watching movies? Are you around a lot of bright lights, things that are stimulating, keeping you awake? Try to change that, having a more gradual process into entering sleep. There's a whole science that looks into insomnia treatment and medications for insomnia are okay, but they're not that amazing. Insomnia can be a a tough one. What science has found cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia looks at how to change and rework our thought patterns, how to change and rework our behaviors associated with sleep, and how that can be equally as effective as some medications for treating insomnia. Well, that's pretty empowering for those who want to do the work and make an improvement. If sleep is one of your major concerns with tinnitus, then there's there's a protocol to follow. One of the tips that I think is the most helpful is that if you wake up in the middle of the night and then you can't fall back asleep, of course, there's other health reasons why you might be waking up in the middle of the night. Prostate issues, other health issues, speak to your primary doctor to rule those out. But then if you're sleeping in your bed and it's been 20 minutes and you are tossing and turning, you're having some negative thoughts, you're feeling anxious, you hear tinnitus so loud dominating your head, the advice The wisdom here is to stand up, walk to another room, sit down in a chair in your living room. Don't watch TV. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to go on your phone, but sit up in a chair, observe your breathing, stay awake and sit there until you get tired again, and then go back to your bed and try that. It might take two or three times, two or three rounds, but the research has shown that's one of the most effective tools for how to fall back asleep if you wake up in the middle of the night. And in terms of technology that can help sleep at night, there is a sleep headband. It's around $20. That's pretty good for Bluetooth sound therapy to help with the tinnitus perception. There's also Bose sleep buds, which are a few hundred dollars. Uh, again, I have no, I have no uh, association with those companies. All right, that's sleep module three. Module four is cognitive behavioral techniques. Therapists, psychologists, psychotherapists have shown through research, through a lot of practice that the brain can rewire and restructure based on the thought patterns and based on our reactions to certain things and based on our emotional associations with certain things. This is relying on the brain areas of what's called the limbic system, which is an old part of our brain that keeps us alive. That's the main function of our brain to keep us alive. Actually, anxiety and fear, those are parts of this system that allow us to stay alert to potential threats or predators. And for tinnitus, the limbic system is often, and this has been confirmed with brain imaging scans, the limbic system for the tinnitus community, for those who are struggling with tinnitus, is more activated than the average person. So what this shows us is that if we can work on the thought patterns the emotional patterns, the reactivity to the sound, how it affects us, how we speak about it. And that's done through a combination of one-on-one counseling with either a psychologist, a psychotherapist who understands tinnitus very well, or an audiologist who is specialized in tinnitus. These kinds of techniques can be very beneficial for promoting that neuroplasticity. All right. The last module, which is part of our, our main five modules at Tribal Health, is well, the wellness and holistic side of this. I personally have practiced morning meditation for about five years. And what I've found is that it really improves my life. It improves my ability to observe my negative thoughts, my emotions, and create some space between them. So I'm not a victim to them. And it gives me some empowerment over them. Now, focusing on your breathing in a structured manner, following a course using an app, 
going to a class to learn how to slow down, breathe, and practice meditation is one example of how using a holistic approach to tinnitus can reduce the limbic system activity and in effect reduce tinnitus. And it surprises me still that people are using meditation and it's helping them so much. I knew that it was helpful to me. I knew that it was helpful to others. The feedback from the community is, in my opinion, that meditation is one of the major things that helps the majority of people manage the mental, psychological, emotional component of tinnitus and how tough it can be. Of course, there's other things, there's other alternative approaches to the holistic side of this. My advice is focus on your foundations first, working with a good professional who can understand what you need, using sound therapy in a comprehensive manner, having the right kind of emotional, mental, psychological support, whether that's one-on-one or group. Focus on that as your fundamental approach before you try alternative things. And there are some far out wacky experimental things. If it's not evidence-based, if it's not well-researched, if it's not used by a majority of professionals, that should be a red flag to look into it further and speak to someone who can vet that approach. Hopefully that's helpful. In just a few more minutes here, I'll wrap up that a big part of this, which I know some of you have had at some point, is sound sensitivity or hyperacusis issues, challenges, problems. And in my experience, about a third of individuals who develop sudden onset tinnitus have hyperacusis or sound sensitivity associated with it. And this can be a hypersensitivity to things like running water, dishes clanking, people talking, your own voice, music, driving in a car, air conditioners, refrigerator sounds. Those are the common things that our patients tell us. Hyperacusis can be treated to the point where you actually have none of it. It can be completely treated. We see it a lot. It's something that also takes a lot of time. And in terms of medical conditions, tinnitus and hyperacusis are unique in the sense that it takes so long to go through the treatment for most people. Tinnitus retraining therapy sites six to 18 months. That's consistent with what we see for the average patient. And some people longer, some people shorter, but that covers a lot of the individual six to 18 months. Hyperacusis, managing hyperacusis is a combination of using earplugs less and less and actually exposing yourself to more and more natural sound as well as using low-level sound therapy for a duration of time, either from a speaker or from devices on your ears, like tinnitus maskers or hearing aids that are programmed for sound therapy. Now, I'll wrap this up in this presentation here by explaining that the somatosensory element of tinnitus is something that affects a percentage of the, of the community here. So if you have sudden tinnitus that started just in one ear, for example, it is a part of your history that makes me and my team recommend an evaluation of your upper neck by an osteopath and your jaw and your TMJ by a dentist. A lot of doctors don't know that tinnitus can be caused by the neck or the jaw. So it is good to have not an audiologist, not a psychologist, not even your regular doctor, but it's good to have a specialist for the jaw, a dentist, and a specialist for the neck. I've been recommended to try to find an osteopath for that, doctor of osteopathy to rule out any abnormalities that could be contributing to either all or a big percentage of your tinnitus. So with that, those are the modules that our team with collectively five decades of experience have determined is the core primary 
areas of tinnitus therapy, tinnitus management, tinnitus treatment that are likely to help you. There's many other things. You're likely to see many other things online. There may be some cases where other things that I didn't talk about help people, and that's great. We're open to that. But as a foundation for most people, it falls within those areas. Yeah, thank you so much for hearing this. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's my mission to share high quality information about tinnitus and hearing conditions. It would mean the world to me if you could take just 60 seconds to go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to this podcast and leave a quick review explaining what you learned on this podcast. Thank you so much for considering that and I'll make sure to see you on the next episode.